When I was a kid, I, uh, I attended art classes one summer uh, at our community center. And uh, they taught us how to make pinch pots. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever made one of these? Come on, raise your hand. Just be honest. Yeah, okay. All right. Thank you. I, I felt like my pinch pot was very impressive. Um, I used my thumbs to press and pinch into this clay and shape it into a beautiful masterpiece. <clears throat> At least that's what my mom told me. <clears throat> she was going to place it in a, in a place of honor in our living room because she said one day it would be very valuable. <clears throat> you know, now that I think about it, I've been to their house a lot. And I don't remember my pinch pot sitting anywhere in her house. <laughs> Apparently, it's not near as valuable as they led me to believe. Just one more area that God has to heal, apparently. <laughs> Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 through 6. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. Oh, thank you. Upper room, go back. Forgot. Always do. So any kids in upper room, you're welcome to go back. Though I don't know if we have a teacher for them today. Do we? Wait is. Okay, great. Good. Whew. All right, here we go. Back to verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel... He was making of clay, was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. And then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Don't get caught up on the whole Israel thing. Just think of yourself in that slot where Israel's used, put your name, put the church, put the God, God's people, just place it in a context where he's speaking to you. And you know what really stands out to me is verse four. Uh, it hits me. Verse four, here's what it says. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Now, that last phrase may smack you in the face. It smacks a lot of people in the face. A lot of people think that they are fully capable of shaping their own lives, of calling their own shots. <laughs> and I guess some people sometimes might end up with really impressive Pinch pots. But when you think about it, that's about all we end up with apart from him. Is that what we're made for? Pinching, pressing, cobbling together a life that somehow might be purposeful, sort of. That might give a little bit of enjoyment, kind of. That occasionally might 
for just a split second, give some sense of significance. Maybe. But honestly, it's, it's not much to look at. It's not valuable, even if your mom tells you it is. Even the most admirable people, when you look at them throughout our society, who've succeeded at so much, they still find themselves in times of failure and brokenness, sadness, regret, shame. I thought about this this last month when Bill and Melinda Gates <clears throat> announced that after 27 years of marriage and three children and $130 billion to their name, we're calling it quits. They said this, we no longer believe we can grow together. So at 57 years of age, Melinda, and 65 years of age, Bill, sayonara, peace out, deuces. They're getting divorced. <clears throat> we all in life try to make a life of beauty and honor, impressive to look at, but here's the honest truth. Without God, we end up cracked and wobbly and not worthy of display. This passage in Jeremiah is speaking to us as much as it did to them 2,600 years ago. It illustrates something that a lot of people just don't want to admit. It is that God is in charge and we're not. Or as Brother Curtis tells us, the seven most important words we can ever speak are, Jesus is Lord and I am not. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's right, seven. He's God, he's in charge, he's large and in charge, and we're not. The theological term for this is sovereignty of God, which is, don't scare, get scared by that. It's just an understanding uh, that he is creator and he is active and involved in his creation. Now, some people may bristle at that. They may even rail against him because they don't like it. It's not fair. They don't even believe in him. And he doesn't care. I mean, he does, but it doesn't affect him whether you believe in him or not. <clears throat> it doesn't change the fact that without him, humanity is a hot mess. <clears throat> We're much better off to remember that he is our creator and that we are his handiwork and that he, if we yield to him, he will shape us, he will shape us into what we were made for. I, I love the testimonies of the kids. Did you hear that? Little Aaron talking about what God did in his heart and giving his life to Jesus. That will change his whole future. Anderson, my goodness, Jackie. I, did, I tell you what God is doing to those young people. That's something to get excited about. There's an old song we used to sing. We don't, we don't sing it much anymore. It's have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. Yielded and still. Oof, that's hard for us, right? Especially if we do it begrudgingly. <laughs> well, he's bigger and stronger than I am, so what choice do I have? I'm yielded. It's kind of like when me and my brother used to wrestle when we were kids. I was five years older than him. We wrestle like all boys do, brothers do. I was bigger, 
and I was stronger. And so I had my own way. And he was yielded in steel. <laughs> he didn't want to be. But what choice did he have? I dominated him. But not for long. <laughs> he got older and he got bigger. And we stopped wrestling. <clears throat> the best kind of yielding is not fighting against him. It's working with him. It's being yielded to him like the clay is in the hands of a potter. Or like the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay pot dispute with the one who shapes it saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? There's a lot of people that that's exactly what they're saying. A lot of people that see themselves as much more capable, much more powerful, much more adept and able to understand the intricacies of who I am as clay and think that we can somehow shape and mold ourselves. Don't be that kind of clay. Submit. Yield to him. Not begrudgingly, but willingly. I always say this about submission. You could submit to that tree out there in the yard, and it would do you some good. Not because that tree has anything to offer you, but your willingness to submit will change everything. If you're willing and yielded and submitted, you actually will prosper and grow and be strengthened. You know what's really cool to me is that to yield has a second definition other than submission. It's the production of fruit. Like a vine yields grapes, right? And it reminds me that Jesus said he is the vine and we are the branches. And that we were made to yield fruit, to produce fruit. Now, this little picture right up here shows what someone might have to do to make that happen. And that's what Jesus says. He says, Jesus, he says his father, who, by the way, is the same potter that's molding the clay, his father is also a gardener or a vine dresser. And he has a job. His job is to maintain the vine, which includes pruning, which doesn't sound all that fun. But God is working in us. He is actually working us like clay and like a vine. He's training and forming and snipping and clipping off and pruning so that we might yield greater fruit. Fruit that the Bible speaks about is fruit of the Spirit. It's love and peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We always see this pruning that we might yield more fruit as a financial thing. And it's not that it's not like that. It's not that it's not. It can be, but it's so much more than that. It's these things, the fruit of the spirit. It's joy when things are not so happy. It's peace when things are crazy and chaotic. It's love even when others don't love, they just lust and want more from you. It's goodness when people are snippy and harsh. It's kindness. It's letting someone cut in front of you on the interstate. 
and not giving them the bird. I mean, that's, that's you know, no, he doesn't do that. No, I don't do that. It's gentleness. It's self-control. Are you yielded to him? If you are, then you better expect pruning and pressing and shaping and forming. But also expect growth and development and greater character and perseverance. Oh, and greater fruit. There's another phrase in that verse 4 of Jeremiah 18 that I want us to look at. It's the first phrase. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. That word spoiled is pretty severe, (laughs) Uh, but very descriptive of just how badly we can mess things up. It's, It's so evident throughout the history of mankind how much damage and wreckage we can do. And it's nice to think that we as humanity are magnanimous and selfish, selfless, but instead we're selfish and and all about us. We mess things up. And what this is describing, this spoilage in his hand, is just another word for sin, which don't get freaked out. That's just a word that means missing the mark. Not living up to what you were created to be. It's, 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 it's coming, it's a variance from what God intended. We try to do it on our own because we're lusting after things that aren't even good for us. But we want them so desperately that we'll do what it takes to get them. And in it, it leads to a real destructive piece of life. In fact, the Bible says it leads to death. James, the very brother of Jesus, half-brother, said this, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Pastor Jim Nicodem talks about this in a sermon that he spoke, and And his whole message was so rich and good for me as I prepared for this message. He said, it's like air pockets in the clay. Even when you make a pinch pot, you gotta gotta work the clay to get all those air pockets out. Because if you have a void in the clay, if there is a hollowness, a vacancy, some type of flaw that's in there and it hasn't been worked out, Then when you put that pinch pot in a kiln with 2,000 degree heat, it doesn't do real well. The vacancy, the void, the hole, the hollowness causes the pot to explode. It causes it to be ruined. And sometimes if it's in the kiln with others, it'll ruin them too. Think about that. Your sin is not just damaging you, it could damage another When Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, his heart was heavy. He was grieved over the condition of his own people, his own nation, Israel. Because God's people, they were headed for ruin. They had vacancy out the wazoo. They had void. They had religious 
activity that seemed good on the surface, but inside it was cavernous. There was no substance. There was no true relationship with God. They were headed for ruin. They had continually refused to be in relationship with God, though he had, he had forgiven them over and over and over again. But they, they chose not to be faithful. Israel seemed beyond redemption. But that brings me to the third phrase in verse 4. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. The best thing about Jeremiah's story is that the potter does not discard the old clay. The old, hard, dry, brittle clay. He reworked it on his wheel. It might have required him to crush it, to completely start over, but he took that same clay. He might have added some clay to it, some more water, but he kept working. He made it useful. God does not discard broken people. He does not reject Rejected people. He is patient and long-suffering. With unswerving love, he stays with us. Jesus made that clear. In his earthly ministry, he came and he was always constantly with those who were, as he says, sick. He was with the ruined and the injured. He was with the lame and the broken. He was with the outcast and the old and the poor. Isaiah says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. I'm so deeply moved about these truths, especially with my own life. My clay had so much spoilage, marring, It had vacancy. There was so much lack of integrity and air pockets inside of me that it exploded and ruined my pot. And I lay there in pieces, not knowing if God could ever use that again. It makes me think of the Japanese art form that repairs broken pottery. It's known as kintsugi, which is golden joinery. Also known as kintsukuroi, which means golden repair. The artist mends the areas of breakage with lacquer that's mixed with powdered gold, making it like liquid gold. Something so, so precious and valuable. And the art form is very popular and it it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. What's really amazing is that in most cases, the vessel that was broken previously, once it's repaired, is more valuable than it was before. Imagine that. 
Sounds like God, doesn't it? That God would take broken lives and repair them with the gold of his presence and make them more valuable than they were before. I know for certain that God takes pleasure in redeeming every bit as much as he does in creating. He loves to redeem that which is lost and to repair that which is broken and to restore that which is spoiled. Psalm 107 says from the message, some of you were sick because you'd lived a bad life, your body's feeling the effects of your sin. You even couldn't stand the sight of food, so miserable you thought you'd be better off dead. But then you called out to God in your desperate condition. And he got you out in the nick of time. He spoke the word that healed you, that pulled you back from the brink of death. Have you submitted to Jesus as the potter, as your artist? Or are you still trying to make a pinch pot masterpiece out of your life? Wobbly, full of air pockets. Are you marred in his hand, spoiled by your own choices and rebellion? Are you about to explode because the void and vacancy, the hollowness is getting heated up? Vacancies can't fill. Voids you can't ignore. Are you injured, broken, poor in spirit, old, tired, rejected, an outcast, sick? Good news. That's, ex- who, that's exactly who Jesus came to save. Are you sick of living the bad life? Your body feeling the effects of sin, the brokenness? Here's what the word of God says. We just read it. Cry to the Lord in your trouble. He will deliver you from distress. He will bring you out of darkness. And he will break the chains that hold you down. You're like clay in the potter's hand. He is here. He is sitting at the wheel of your life. And you're spinning. Are you begrudgingly yielding or are you yielding to him asking that he would make and mold you shape and form you while you are yielded and still and the lord help us all to hear his word amen when you were dead in sinful habits careless and unbelieving and living against the purposes of God, God so rich in mercy. Because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us, made us alive in him. It's by his free grace that we are saved through faith, And this saving is not of ourselves, our own doing, or our striving. It is his gift. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, that we may do the good works which God 
planned ahead of time for us, taking the paths that he has prepared for us, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Let's pray. Father, we do recognize that you are the potter and we are the clay. And we want what you want to make us to be. Regardless of how successful or not we may feel or look, it doesn't change the truth that you are the creator. And our best life is lived in you, following your purposes, following your plans. You are our safe place, and it is good for us to yield to you. Because your heart for us is love and only love. Thank you for this moment to stop and consider the life that we are making and to confess again that we want to be clay in the potter's hand. Yes, Lord. Have your way with us, Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness towards us. Uh, You could have just thrown us all out in the trash heap, but you came to seek and save that which was lost, that which was broken, that which wasn't living up to what it was created for. And you made a way back to significance and substance, to healing and wholeness. Lord, I thank you for what you did this last week in our youth and children's camps. I thank you, God, that this is not contingent upon a certain age bracket or certain socioeconomic situation or a certain culture or a certain ethnicity. (laughs) This message is for all young and old, rich and poor, male and female, those that are under it and those that are on top. I pray that the same message, the significance we find in yielding to you would be ours as well. Help us this week, God, to submit to the shaping, the forming that you're doing, to get those air pockets out, to fill up the void, to to make us usable in your hand. Don't let the spoilage, Lord, keep us from being useful for your kingdom. I ask, Lord, for anyone that's here that is struggling with these matters, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would do a work of repentance and ignite hearts to respond to you because it takes the Holy Spirit for anything to happen. So we ask that the Holy Spirit would do his work. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.